Giants 21, Panthers 19. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Justin, you were at MetLife Stadium for this game. I was at home watching it on TV, and I'm telling you, I was giddy. Giddy, 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 giddy. And we were at all the camp practices, Justin, and then seeing that first drive with the starters and Daniel Jones and Darren Waller and then seeing Jalen Hyatt pop off. This is the most excited I think I've ever been after a preseason game. I think even more so than the Daniel Jones debut of five for five, you know, 55 yards and a touchdown. Like, I think I'm more excited because we're coming off of the playoffs. You have these new additions. I mean, I, I, I don't even think I'm overreacting to being like, man, this offense might actually be something nice. Man, that was really, really, really fun. And my main thought kind of walking out of the stadium and into the parking lot is, damn, I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to go back to MetLife Stadium next Saturday against the Jets. And man, I'm even more excited for Sunday Night Football Week 1 to face the Cowboys. And I can't remember the last time, even last year, where we were cautiously optimistic. You know, new coaches, new GM, blah, blah, blah. We knew the roster wasn't that talented. I can't remember the last time I was this excited to get back to MetLife Stadium. And the main theme of, as I talked to, shout out to everybody that said hi to me um, throughout the game and even before the game and came up, said hi, we had nice conversations. The main theme of those conversations, Bobby, that I had with Giants fans today was just, man, we are so excited for this year. Where again, last year was like cautiously optimistic. And man, did that first series and that first team offense show us exactly why Giants fans should be excited for this year. And and superstar Darren Waller leading the charge. Yeah, you essentially had perfection from the first team offense. Daniel Jones was 8 for 9 of 669 yards, a touchdown and an intercept or no interceptions, one rush for 6 yards, and the one incompletion that he had was a Darren Waller drop. And then Darren Waller had three catches for 30 yards in one drive would be 4 for 45 if he didn't drop that pass. I mean, Everything from Daniel Jones was just on time and accurate. And guys were being schemed open by Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and a vanilla off and a vanilla preseason game plan. Like all this all the schematic stuff we saw was like some of the basic stuff they ran last year with a little bit of a wrinkle, which I want to talk about with Waller. Uh, but guys were just being schemed open, and Daniel Jones was perfect with timing and accuracy. You know, like go look at even the one scramble he had where Mark Lewinsky doesn't pick up the stunt. Yeah. Go look at DJ's pocket, uh, you know, the way he moves in the pocket and scrambles to turn that into a six-yard gain. I mean, it was beautiful, like the way he was able to step up, avoid a defender, and then get outside the pocket and make that play. Uh, you know, getting the ball to Paris Campbell on an RPO, Hodgins on the backside of a play. and It was easy. It, it was, yeah, it was easy. And then with DJ, it's like for Daniel Jones and off. I keep on. I do want to put it in like, hey, we're talking about one drive in a preseason game. And the but for Daniel Jones, after all the shit he went through at Duke, after four years in the NFL of not really having advantages, he has to be walk. He has to be driving away from the stadium tonight and being like, dude, I got a dude. I've got a dude in Darren Waller. And and forget the fact that Saquon Barkley wasn't even out there and what he adds to this offense yeah. where it's like I, I have a dude in Darren Waller, a guy who I can just flat out get the ball to and he's going to make plays for me. And we can do it in a bunch of different ways and it's going to make it easier for all the other guys on the offense too. Stay healthy. Like this is probably the most fanned thing that I'm going to do tonight and today. Please, please, please stay healthy, Darren Waller. Because even that first play, Bobby – 
And I, you know, I'm a firm believer in early down passing and how the early, passing on early downs, it could be an extension of the run game. And if you want to play off on Darren Waller because you want to respect his speed, well, then even from that tight end position, that first play of the game, six-yard gain, that little pitter-patter, pitter-patter stutter move that he makes, and then he cuts open and it's and he, and he turns it into a slant, that's a six-yard gain, and that's money. That's money that the Giants can go to, you know, Every game and, you know, every every couple drives, if you want to play off on Darren Waller, his short area quickness is something that we've talked about all camp and how it's such a difference maker and how we haven't had tight ends of the past that can do that, even though they've been fast. So changes everything, man, changes the entire offense, and it does open things up for other people. And I think we even saw that today with Hodgins, with Campbell and some other guys. Yeah, so Darren Waller had three catches for 30 yards with a drop. So if he doesn't drop that pass, it'd be four catches for 45 would yards. That, one, would that have been drive. a 15-plus yard gain? It would have been like 15 yards on the dot. Okay. I went and measured it out. It's a sick play. So, But the plays that Waller had, he had that veer route, like you mentioned, on first down. Then they line up out wide versus J.C. Horn, who's a physical, strong corner. Yeah. And he gangster releases his ass and gets wide open on a, a slant. Push off. Um, The drop. The drop was, was what I thought was the most interesting play. So there's a play that the Giants love to run, and it's – called Yankee, where you get in mm-hmm. under center, usually two tight ends, two of your faster receivers. One runs a deep post as kind of like a clear out. You can throw it if the safety misplays it, but usually you're trying to get it to the crosser. And Darius Slayton will get a lot of those catches uh, on that last season. They used Marcus Johnson. For this play, they lined up in 13 personnel with three tight ends. Three tight ends and then Jalen Hyatt with his speed out there. So they are able to run this play, force them to put some heavy – like even – even heavier defensive packages in when you have three tight ends compared to two tight ends. Um, and put Jalen Hyde on a deep post, and then Darren Waller takes the Darius Slayton role in that and runs the deep, uh, uh, runs the over route, ends up dropping it, but it should have been a nice 15-yard completion, which I want to talk about. Like And stuff like that is why I really do think the third tight end should be either Sweeney or Myrick and not Lawrence Cager because I need I need teams to want to put some heavier like to have to respect the run when we go three tight ends because if we go three tight ends with Waller and Cager they don't really have to respect the run and when we right. do run out of it it's not going to be as effective um right. and I have a Cager note later and then on a third and seven I didn't get to see the full route develop the full play develop but it looked like it was like a clear out where you had trips right or trips left two clear outs or not clear outs but go balls and then Waller on an out route and maybe it could have been like a a choice route of an out or an in on third and seven and he completes you know DJ gets it to him good catch by Waller beautiful and then I know I'm rambling right now they get down to the four or five yard line they get in two tight end motion Waller back into the formation play action boot to the left they double uh Darren Waller the guy that Daniel Bellinger blocks and release comes after the quarterback instead of going with him DJ gets the ball to Daniel Bellinger, touchdown New York Giants in the red zone. It was just kind of, you saw all the effects of Waller from just making plays on his own, putting different types of formations out there, and then getting a touchdown for Daniel Bellinger. Yeah, one of the things that I really want to touch on, Bobby, uh, and it's, I came away from that first drive being like, man, when I rewatch this game, I have to look at play-by-play the different personnel grouping frequencies that we saw because even the Giants 12 personnel like if you have two tight ends on the field and two wide receivers on the field that is still 12 personnel but Darren Waller being so versatile like he is 
when he's lined up, like he requires the attention of JC Horn when he's lined out wide because he kind of demands that respect even when he's lined out wide as a tight end slash wide receiver. So even like if the Giants are in 12 personnel, 13 personnel, they could do so many things within that because they have a guy like Darren Waller. So I want to talk about just overall uh, uh, personnel grouping frequency and the diversity in which you run different personnel grouping frequencies. And this is from Tej, uh, Tej Seth of Summer Sports, formerly with PFF. He does great work. So this is quotes from his, from his article that he wrote this week about uh, personal grouping frequency diversity. Since 2016, it has been rare that a team uses one or six personnels in a game. Thus, we can focus on the two to five range here. Each personnel added to an offense increased their EPA per play in the game at a linear rate. Offenses that only use two personnels in a game often experience a negative EPA per play, while three personnels hovered around neutral, with four and five personnel seeing a big increase in positive efficiency. Offenses that use three personnels in a game have a lower EPA per play on average than their season average, so he's comparing it now to an, like an EPA per play on, on, on their season average, but those that use four or five personnels in a game see an increase over their offense's baseline output. Some of the best play callers in the league are leaning into this concept with Kyle Shanahan having nine games last season using four or five personnels in a game, fourth most, plus Ben Johnson, who's the offense coordinator of the Detroit Lions, having eight games, which is the sixth most. Moral of the story, I think the more diversity the Giants can show in running different personnels out there, 10 personnel, whether it's two times a game, it throws some, it throws a wrench for the defense. 12 personnel and having Waller line up wide. You mentioned the 13 personnel wrinkle in there with high Waller, the speed that you have to account for. Saquon Barkley, Matt Breida being on the field at the same time is something that we saw last year, and you can go a little bit more old school. I think now that the Giants have the horses, and I think tonight was one of the games that proved to me is that the Giants finally have Jimmys and Joes in this offense and not just the schematics and the coaching. If this coaching staff can get more creative with their personnel packages because they have the Jimmys and Joes, that will make this offense even more dangerous. And we started to see it tonight with a vanilla, very vanilla preseason game plan. Yes, like like it was a it was good it was good play design, but it's like that's the basic of their playbook that they ran. And you mentioned it's not just like hey, not just two tight end or three tight end or this. It's like within those you can run different, throw out different players to mix and match together to depending on what you want to do. Um, so that there, there's a lot. I'm telling you, man. We and the reason why I don't think we're overreacting is because we've seen it all at camp, Justin. We've seen it all of camp right. how efficiently this offense. It's like, man, this off is this offense just legit? Um, and again, the like we are playing the Panthers, a bad team, but still, like it was very beautiful to see. You know, even like Isaiah Hodgins, they ran a post wheel, which is a big staple of what their offense does. They put Darius Slayton on a post, Daniel Bellinger in a wheel, Waller motions into the flats, and then Isaiah Hodgins on uh you know a, a, a crosser on the backside open dj hits him while rolling out he also had a nice catch and run on a curl route from tyrod taylor which kind of was reminiscent of the playoff uh you know play yeah. that he had versus the vikings did look so, faster which credit to him yeah paris campbell had a nice catch on an rpo um yeah, uh and then you know he ended up with three catches on the day and then jalen hyatt dude like can you imagine that Jalen Hyatt did what he did and we're not talking about him till 12 minutes into the show? Like, I think that speaks to 
how exciting this offense is that that happened in a preseason game and we're hitting it 12 minutes in before we talk about Jalen Hyatt though you want to talk to us about something else Justin I do today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek guess what you know I hung out with David Powis tonight David Powis goes to one away game or two he goes to Washington every year uses SeatGeek of course when he goes to Washington but he likes to get on a plane and he likes to go to an away game as well he went to Seattle a couple years ago. He's looking to go to New Orleans this year. I believe it's December 17th. And he told me, I was looking on SeatGeek, and tickets? 80 bucks for that Giants-New Orleans game. I'm thinking about possibly making that trip. I'm thinking about it. And SeatGeek, they're going to provide the seats for me if I choose to go. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. 28 million downloads. They're the number one rated ticketing app in the world. Every ticket is backed by their buying guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So I could buy my tickets tomorrow, Bobby, and I could be like, ah, I'm not going to go. The flight's too expensive. Screw the flights. SeatGeek has got my back because they have swaps. We got, we've got the hookup. Use code Giants for $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code Giants. Click the link in the description to download the app. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. Just got my dad's birthday gift off SeatGeek. We're going to the NASCAR race next weekend on Friday night. Nice. You'll be glad you did. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Jalen Hyatt. So first, they give him this another manipulated catch, uh, the little push pass, and it's another negative four yard. They didn't call it a penalty, but it's like, oh my god, Jalen Hyatt through two preseason games is going to have two catches for negative eight yards. This is. This is not the stat line we were looking for. Then he has the over route on play action, the crosser. And it's like, okay, here we go. Drops it, drops it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to clip this up and just, you know, just say, hey, we almost had our first Jalen Hyatt play. Lo and behold, third down, the following play, they motion him in to the slot uh, from a three by one set. And he's got to match up with the safety. And he's. He works a post corner where he shows post, gets that safety who already had inside leverage to bite. It was bad safety play, but still, Jalen Hyatt makes you pay for bad safety play where we haven't done that in a long time. Post and then breaks out. And, I mean, Justin, Tyrod Taylor got hit as he threw. Thank God that the ball still got there. But that ball was in the air for like 15 seconds. Yeah. And Hyatt is just wide-ass open. Just wait. He's in the end zone, just waiting for the ball for three seconds, and he still the defender wasn't within five yards of him when he caught the ball. So, yeah, is that bad safety play, Justin? But that's what Jalen Hyatt does. Is he's gonna he's gonna force this Giants offense to take advantage of bad safety play? And I talked about that Yankee concept. If a safety tries to cheat on that and take over the under, take over, uh, take the over route underneath. He's going to, you know, we're going to throw that ball deep to him on a post and let him outrun a corner. And doing stuff like that, you're, again, this is vanilla stuff. Just motion him in to the slot, have him run a post corner. Vanilla stuff. You get that man coverage look on third down. Like, how are teams going to play man coverage versus the Giants on third down? Seriously. When you have Waller, when you have Hyatt, when you have all these guys, how do you play man coverage on them on third down? Because I just think it's they're, the Giants are going to be in a spot to be able to do pick your poison, unless the offensive line is just is totally broken down. Right. Right. Um, you know, I remember the stat a couple of years ago that 
The Giants faced the most single high safety usage in the NFL because there was no deep threat. The Giants didn't produce explosive plays. There were teams that didn't respect it. Uh, that's gone. You know, when you have Slayton, who, you know, Glock Roach, uh, somebody mentioned in our Patreon chat. I'm sorry. I'm for, I'm forgetting who it is. Um, somebody mentioned that Darius Slayton didn't even get a target tonight, which guess what? You know, besides Darren Waller, it's been Darius Slayton that's led the way for these Giants wide receivers this summer. Kind of glad that other guys got some shine. And we didn't, we're not even talking about Darius Slayton, which is kind of cool because other guys did get some shine, including Darren, uh, including Jalen Hyatt. Post, post, um, post corner route. Awesome. Um, that was like the shortest 33 yard, the quickest and shortest 33 yard touchdown ever because it, like, he got to the end zone so quick. And being there, like, I was sitting in the 100 level tonight. I got up like two seconds into the play, being like, this ball's going to Jalen Hyde. This is going to be a touchdown. This is going to be a touchdown. And that ball stayed up in the air for like 10, for what felt like 10, 15 seconds. And Hyatt is just waiting for that ball, waiting for that ball because he's been in the end zone for so long. So um, that was really, really cool. And teams are going to have to respect that speed that we're going to have this year. Yeah, so I'm excited to see him get some more usage. Offensive line. Let's talk about the offensive line, Justin. I thought they held up well for the first team. Andrew Thomas only played the first drive um, and then went out when DJ went out. Just an update on the rotation, what they did by drive. It, they started Bredesen and then Glowinski. Then they brought in the second drive, Azudu and picked Glowinski at right guard. They did that for the second and third drive. And then the fourth and fifth drive, Azudu at left guard and Glowinski at right guard. So Azudu got four drives. Uh, Bredesen got three and Glowinski got three. Um, so really, the only peek into maybe what ends up happening is Bredesen starts at left guard. Uh Evan Neal, that's going to be the big talking point. I thought he looked solid. Didn't look great. So I do still have some worries if when we're going up against great pass rushers, but I thought he did look solid. Um, I wanted Brian Burns to play tonight. Yeah, I was hoping he would play tonight too because I thought that would be a good barometer for Evan Neal where Brian Burns is like a really yeah. good pass rusher, but he's not like one of the elite guys. Derek Brown for John Michael Schmitz too. They they sat some guys on their front seven. Yeah, so it's like you got to keep that in context. When we're talking about this offensive line, I don't. That's so I don't want to go too deep into it. But Neil was getting out of his stance a little quicker. He was finishing blocks when it's connected. He was a little like willing to work guys around the corner, where it's like let's see that versus elite guys and see what happens. But I thought he held up well. It was a little head heavy, head heavy in the run game, a couple bad run reps, but overall was solid. Like he lo- he definitely looked better than what he looked like last year at this time. So that's that was good to see from Neil. The interior. I thought all of them looked fair. Oh, and they had him and Glowinski. Let's figure out stunts, guys. We're facing the most basic of stunts in the preseason. Glowinski got beat where he didn't pick it up it was on, on one. And then the sack on Tyrod Taylor where Evan Neal passed it off to Glowinski perfectly, but just didn't come off of it and pick it up. So we got to pick those stunts up. We're going to get a lot different, a lot more diverse looks than that once the regular season kicks. Um, JMS, Bredesen, Azudo, I thought they all looked solid. Um, I thought each of them had one like one bad rep, but I, I, to be honest, I don't have much huge takeaways because they weren't playing the starters, yeah. their top guys on their defensive line, um, and yeah, I, I don't have like crazy takeaways, but they didn't look bad, so I guess that's good. I'm still rooting for Josh Azudu. I'm still rooting for 
him to eventually take that starting job because I know his potential and his ceiling is higher than Ben Bredesen. I've said that line over and over again. I don't even think there should be a rotation, man. There are clear five. There's a there's a clear five best offensive linemen on the team right now, and Josh Azudu is the sixth. Like he, I I don't know if he's. I mean, if they want, if they're treating it as we want to develop Josh Azudu, and that's why he's going in there and he's starting. Okay, and as long as you're not a disaster, but Brent Ben Bredesen is clearly the best out of the three and. If you're rotating, if you're taking Ben Bredesen out of the game to put Josh Azudu in, I'm kind of out on that, and I really don't agree with that. I would agree with it if they put Josh Azudu in for Mark Lewinsky, or if they put Bredesen at right guard and Azudu at left guard, since that's what they've been doing the last two years. But I'm at a point now with Azudu, it's like, you got to develop a little bit more. I saw I saw some plays where I thought he was leaning a little bit still. I didn't. I wasn't really watching his hands. Ben Bredesen is clearly better than Glinski and Azudu, and I think he should be playing all the time. But they may not be doing that for the regular season. Yeah, I agree. Parrot was very bad in this game. Oh, yeah? Um, where swing tackle's not as dire of a need as it was last all season, or last time, you know, last year at this time. But Tyree Phillips is injured. Parrot looked bad. Um, again, I don't know how many teams have good swing tackles, but... I sure as hell don't have a lot of faith in ours. Um, not going to spend much time on that. Also, Lawrence Cager gave up a sack on play action. Actually, it wasn't a sack because Tommy DeVito is an escape artist. Did you see that? Like that they were interviewing Joe Shane at that time. No, was it where the incompletion he, to David Sills? No, where he scrambled, uh, where he was oh, tackled. Yeah, yeah. And they like they they were talking to Joe Shane on the TV, so he didn't realize it. No, I but saw Lawrence Cager gives up what we thought was a sack. Or maybe that was the parrot one. And Tommy DeVito like just doesn't go down though and escapes and turns it into a two yard run. No, it was K- Cager was really like just he was acting like the play was over and it's like, no, dude, like move. Tommy DeVito's not down. And he it was the most exciting like four yard QB run I've ever seen. I can't remember if I said it on the last pod, but I have talked about this. I truly believe Lawrence Cager should not be the third tight end. I yeah, think it should be to. either Chris Myrick or Tommy Sweeney. Uh Sweeney didn't play tonight. Uh, I because again, Cager's not going to be able to do the stuff that Darren Waller does. So if Darren Waller goes down, he's not a Darren Waller replacement. And I really think having that third guy as someone who can block and block well is it. And Chris Myrick has shown to be able to do that. He's shown to do it from the fullback alignment. He can you know catch the ball. He doesn't drop the ball when he gets the uh, targets underneath. And when you're doing those thirteen personnel things, I just you got to have Myrick, Myrick or Sweeney out there and, and not cager because then you just your threat of running the ball really isn't there when you have darren waller and lawrence cager lining up in line on the same play yeah oh and another offensive note tonight we did see on a decent amount of plays it may also have been on the eric gray touchdown it was where we saw a tight end a la daniel bellinger a la it was chris myrick when uh uh, Cager and you know obviously Waller's not going to be lining up as a fullback, but we did see a lot of tight ends lining up as that fullback H back role tonight. Um, you know, so that it kind of serves as like a twenty one personnel. It, it's it's again a ver- multiple variations of guys that can do multiple things is a very cool thing. And we have tight ends like Daniel Bellinger, or Chris Myrick. I guess Tommy Sweeney can do it too. That could be good blockers, and they could be good lead blockers. So credit to that. But yeah, uh, the, the way that they've gone this camp, Bobby. From their first team, second team, and third team, their menu of plays 
and their selection of plays, their playbook right now is we have Darren Waller. So these are our plays and we are seeing tight ends line up out wide. Like we, we have not seen the selection of plays where, okay, here's our backup plan. If Darren Waller gets hurt, because that backup plan is Lawrence Cager. And that's the role that we've seen Lawrence Cager play. And I agree with you, but the Giants don't. Let's touch up on the backs before we talk about the defense and Bobby O'Carrick and what they did. We can go quick through this. Eric Gray. He did have the touchdown today, and that was uh, touchdown of the game, and that was nice. Justin, you can't put this guy on the field on an every down basis. His blocking is horrible. It was bad in the first game, and we didn't talk about it. It was really bad. So, like, the take I had of, like, when you have him and Brita, if Saquon to go down, I think you want to give Eric Gray more touches. I'm going back on that. You can't put him on the field on an uh, – like on a down the down basis to with the way he blocks, like that needs real improvement, Justin. Like they should, they shouldn't let him touch the ball this next week of practice, and he should just be blocking like that. It's it's really really bad. It almost stopped the Jalen Hyatt touchdown. It led to other QB hits. It was bad, Justin. And I thought he looked decent as a runner. Not a, nothing amazing. Did ha- you know? Did run through contact on that touchdown. So love that from Gray. And I still. This isn't like I'm I'm out on Eric Gray, but that has to really improve. And this game should be something where they are they are beating that into him in practice because you you just can't put you cannot put someone on the field who a running back who just flat out cannot block. There was one really good blitz pickup that he had, and I can't exactly remember when. But you there can't were, just but, have one good blitz. Pickup I know when you give up six pressures, the rest were it was atrocious and it and it couldn't it could have cost the drives and. And shit like that. So I, I was even talking to Will tonight, and you know we were talking about oh, Bur-, and he's, he mentioned like oh, Burita may be on the way out, and I'm like no, because uh, I I just don't I don't think the Giants have a backup running back right now that can fully take like if Saquon Barkley goes down, like can, you, the idea of a backup running back is that backup running back can take over and he can operate a game, and I don't think the Giants have that backup running back right now outside of Matt Burita, um, and it and it further complicates the role of Gary Brightwell who didn't play in today's game like Deshaun Corbin had another you know really good game and he he looks like he's breaking tackles every single play and Eric Gray also I we are not a special teams pod we are not but Eric Gray still looks very uncomfortable fielding punts I don't know if it's the lights I, I don't know what's going on but the first punt return that he had again today falls down and even the second one, he like stumbled. Like we, that's got to be figured out if he's going to be like the the main punt returner on this team. So we got to we got to figure out what the what the back end of our running back room looks like, and if Gary Brightwell's going to be here, if he, if not, and Corbin and special teams and and all that jazz. So you did bring up Corbin, and someone told me like before uh, camp because you mentioned Breida like Breida could be we were talking about surprise cuts and they're like supposedly they really like Corbin and maybe that could be Breida being the surprise cut uh Corbin looks good man now it's crazy when you look at his stats he had seven carries for five yards and three catches for 22 yards but he had a couple plays called back due to penalties and also he constantly is touched like at or behind the line of scrimmage and he he turned those into like (laughs) you know like one yard runs and stuff so he was making guys miss cut like working good cuts getting a field with like good vision like had some uh good catches in the receiving game um Corbin has looked 
if you just go off the last two games, Deshaun Corbin has looked clearly like the best back on the team. Obviously, Saquon's not playing and Brightwell's not playing. James Robinson is just slow and bad, and th- I'm very thankful they didn't put him with the first or second yeah. team today. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Corbin's Corbin's had a good preseason. Where last year, I didn't think it was great. I agree. Can we talk about something? Yeah, Jeff, read an ad. Jeff, producer Jeff is replacing Julian. Everybody give it up. Hello, chat. Hello, chat. Uh, Just to unveil the curtain a little bit, Justin and Bobby, you guys have been excited on air, and you've also been excited off air. I know you've been looking forward to an offense that's fluid for a real long time. And I know what else you've been waiting for, Justin and Bobby. What I've been waiting for. You've waited all year, and the time is finally arrived. College. I've been waiting to bet on the – I bet 20 bucks on the Giants to win the Super Bowl. You placed that bet already? Yes. I do that every year. You know what else you can bet on, Bobby? College football. It is back. And so are all the traditions, the tailgates, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Kick off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code WORLD. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on any college football bet. Only the DraftKings Sportsbook with the code WORLD. That's W-O-R-L-D, WORLD. Read the disclaimer, too. You have to. Read a lot of disclaimers. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-467. 369 in West Virginia. Visit www.1800gambler.net in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races, all games regulated by West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after, in, after insurance and insurance. Issuance. Issuance. There you go. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Um, you'll be glad you did. Um, that ad read so was for Brian Dable. So you'll be glad you did, Jeff. You'll be glad you did. That's a tradition around here. That ad read was for Brian Dable um, because I really, when he said, recite this football play, that ad read, I'm like, well, why don't you read that DraftKings disclaimer? And did Jeff, you see Tua do that to the beat reporters the other day, Justin? Oh, oh, come on. Is that like a football dude thing? Well, here's the thing is once, like, like, of in course college, we can't do that. In college, the verbiage is very s- simple, where it's like formation and then like a name of a play. Like when I threw out the table, I was like, hey, how about the wave? He's like, yeah, we called that. We called it that Alabama. We don't call it that here. <laughs> where it's you just got to get it down. You got to get used to it in the NFL, where it's like, uh, it's, all right, uh, personnel for our uh, formation. Um, and then it's like you're basically you're spitting you're spitting out every single route, basically. Um, also, and then motions and stuff. Also, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, the Panthers have the same over-under win total as the Giants, as 7.5 right now, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, 
I am betting a good amount of money that the Panthers are going to get under seven and a half wins this year. Why are people not thinking the Panthers are going to suck this year? Because they're in a bad why, division. Why has... Yeah, I guess that's they're the, But they're the worst team in a bad division. Maybe it's me and you just don't love Bryce Young like everyone else, but... It hey, hey, like, hey. I picked Bryce Young in that JM social post today of who's going to be the best rookie quarterback. <laughs> I didn't even see what that post is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. The Panthers uh, had th- had three points through six quarters of preseason football. Um, they did score 16 in the second half, but um, they – it was – that's partially, that was partially like my halftime thoughts. It's like, yeah, this Giants offense is super fun, but, man, is this Panthers team really miserable. <laughs> yeah, so, so anyone else go uh, sprint to DraftKings Sportsbook and, you know, Get a little bit in on that, okay? Lovely. I'm glad you did. Hey, Shula, you better hope I never get back in there. I will kick your ass. Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. All right, let's talk about the defense, Justin. I want to start with Bobby Okereke because this is the first time we've seen him in Giants blue, which I think he just looks good in that uniform anyways. He had seven tackles in just a couple of drives. He's good, man. Like, he was making plays. He was cleaning stuff up when uh, a guy missed a tackle or, you know, even, like, tackles that were, like, five, six yards down the field. But he's he's going to have, like, 140, 50 tackles like he did last season. He had a couple run stops, one from the play side on a play with Xavier McKinney, another one from the back side where he undercuts a, a guard and, and makes that tackle. There was a blitz where he just blew up the running back. Um, he looks good out there, and... He is the wearer of the green dot, and we were. I was surprised they took. They would. That was what my preference was when we were talking about that in OTAs. I didn't think they'd take it away from McKinney, but that was my preference. And this will be the first time Wink Martindale's had a linebacker use the green dot since 2018. So they're putting a lot of trust in this guy. Yeah, CJ Mosley. CJ Mosley. So, yeah, um, Bobby Okereke looked good. He looked active. I'm. I'm excited for him. He was like one of my players that I was like, I. You know, kind of no shit Sherlock, but as we saw the starters play like for like a quarter, I was like, well, what what's Bobby O'Carrick's role in this defense? I actually want to talk about with you because this He's does relate. Too. This does relate to Bobby O'Carrick in a way because of how much responsibility they're going to put on him this year. I think we're starting to see the role of the interior linebacker two diminish a little bit in Wink's defense from what we've seen in preseason. There's a lot of edge reps where they're putting them on the edge and they're putting like they're putting an edge rusher like Kayvon Thibodeau in a three-point stance in like th- like in between the guard and the tackle kind of sh- shading towards the guard and we've seen a lot of like Micah McFadden li- like line up in a two-point stance as like this pseudo edge rusher and we've also seen like I even saw it tonight a decent amount of snaps where Bobby Okereke is the only interior linebacker on the field I know we've had a talking point of all offseason about how we are mostly going to see two linebackers on the field. And I still think that's true, but I do think it's it's going down a little bit like the the, the use, the the reliance on the second interior linebacker. I think it's going to be just like last year where I think it was what, like 65, 35 was was the split. I think it was 63%. But but even like you'll count two two interior linebackers being on the field even when you have like McFadden lined up as this pseudo edge rusher which we have which I've seen like I've seen it in practice, I've seen it in the joint practices and I even saw it tonight a little bit too. So that could be like again like three snaps a game that maybe we see that. Well they did um, that a lot last year as well too. Yeah. Um but with that did what do you think of Beavers? 
I thought he was kind of up and he looked a little slow, but he had he did make a couple plays uh, downhill when the ball's coming to him. Um, Banks was actually talking about it on the broadcast a little bit too, where he was kind of like, eh, he hasn't really come back fully yeah. from from the injury. This is his rookie year. This is Beavers' rookie year. It's to me, it's not even about like rookie whatever. It's just like he doesn't look the same coming back from the injury. He just doesn't look like the aggressive, explosive, not necessarily, but the aggressive, like, downhill, quick was decision it, player that he was. Was it an ACL? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and we know that it takes basically two years for that to heal. We know that, so. Yeah, so we, we just didn't see that. Pass rush. Kayvon had a sack. Now, the sack was on a, a Kemakuanu not picking him up, but still, just watch him get off the ball, and it's beautiful. Um, and then I thought the more impressive play was the QB was hit. The next one. Yeah, the next play. Yeah. Working the corner, gets to the corner, works hands, uh, Aquanu's hands off of him, gets around the corner and has that QB hit. That was really nice. And you look at him like, oh, well, those, those were the two plays. Go watch like some of their just basic pass rushs or like their basic drop back from the Panthers on like on third downs and stuff. They were dropping Kayvon in the coverage a ton. That so is he didn't. Yeah, and so he didn't get a bunch of pass rush opportunities. So I thought he did pretty damn well, considering he probably had like, like five or six just true pass rush snaps. Um, and again, like doing it the way I want to see. I want to see him work the corner. I don't want to see him trying to work in outside in rips. So if he does work outside in, I want it to be a lot cleaner than that. But working the corner, getting hands off of him, it was like you know the QB hit looked kind of like the the play in Washington. So I really liked that out of Kayvon. And he, again, he didn't play enough or have enough pass rush snaps to go out there and, you know, dominate. But he did look good in his opportunities he got that he got. Yeah, the sack per Next Gen and Connor Hughes tweeted it out. Um, really bothers me. I guess some of these beat reporters have access to Next Gen data, and I wish I had a, and I wish I had that access. Point six seven point six seven seconds. Um, that that was his uh, get off off the line of scrimmage and at the snap of the ball, which is great. Um, Akemikwanu knew he was there, but probably just didn't know that he was coming that fast on that sack, which is pretty cool and pretty neat. And then I agree with you. I like, I was going to bring up like the play that I was more impressed by was the next play. And I thought that they were going to, I thought they were going to call, uh, hands to the face or a personal foul penalty on Jihad Ward because Jihad Ward looked like he gave Bryce Young a little bit of a forearm where I was sitting in the stands, but they didn't, they called holding on the offense, which is great. Bryce Young, by the way, since he's so short. And this even can go into Dex because Dex got that. Uh, Dex worked the interior offensive lineman, probably was the center, worked him, dog walked him back to the quarterback, like pushes Bryce Young in the face. Doesn't even hit him or slap him. It, it was a him. push. He was slap. It it, it kind of like yeah. It was a little bit of both. In slow mo, it looked like he just pushed him, which I guess that's what slow mo is for. Um, Bryce Young is going to get a ton of personal foul penalties and hands to the face penalties just because for the average NFL player is over six foot. And if they just reach out their hand straight, it's inevitably going to touch his face. So that is going to be the number one source of 15 plus air plays for the Panthers this year. <laughs> yeah, he, I don't like him. Um, yeah, but Dexter Lawrence looked dominant. Yeah. Jihad Ward, he got a good amount of rushes from the interior and I thought he looked pretty good in that. Yeah. Um, Ocean Zimenez continues to do zero, and when he, he does do he, when he, he does a, do something, it's bad because he he has like a good pass rush in the fourth quarter. He had a and sack. Just, just doesn't tackle the quarterback. Great sign, by the way, that he's playing in the fourth quarter with the third stringers. In my opinion, 
Great Fox sign. had a sack too. It was almost like a second effort play, but Fox had a sack. He had a tackle for a loss. So Fox, I actually think Fox is going to win that. It's not just like I, I think he should. I actually do think Fox is going to pl- yeah. play over O'Shane Zimenez this season. I I agree. Uh, I don't think O'Shane will make the team. I I I, ho- I don't I hate to root for guys to fail, but I hope he doesn't make the team. <laughs> we got to talk about this and. The Giants' D-line coach Dre Patterson talked about Jordan O'Reilly to the to the beat this week, and I thought he was really candid about something that I, I he said his film at Oregon wasn't good. He's like, but we went, we met with him in person, we saw the his body, saw the athleticism that he can uh, that he has, and we're like, we gotta we can work with this guy and and get the his play to match what he's capable of. And he's having a hell of a preseason. Like, yep. he had three really nice run stops. He had the fourth down tackle for a loss where he just Huge. bullies the center, gets in the backfield, makes a tackle. He was on the uh, – he worked the backside on the center or the guard for one play uh, that led to a tackle by Kobe Smith. And then there was another play down in the red zone, the probably play gets a little forgotten, where he just splits a double team and makes a run and makes a run stop at the line of scrimmage down the red zone. Dre Patterson, the D-line coach – I mean, what they are able, what he's able to do, and get the most out of defense alignment. Like he might be the most underrated position coach in the NFL. Like, and listening to him and Jerome Henderson talk is a, is like just really enjoyable too as a fan. But like Dre Patterson said, like yeah, his film was not good. It was bad film. Yeah. And but we felt we couldn't get get a hold of him and work with him. And it's only preseason, but he looks like really good and strong and making even making some athletic plays. Jordan Riley is a lock for the roster. Yes. Over DJ Davidson, 100%. So um, I haven't seen DJ Davidson play, but it's no. like Jordan Riley. We saw DJ Davidson play a little last year. Riley is, is doing way better than what Davidson ever put on film last yep. offseason. Riley's a lock to make this roster, and I think he's going to get actual reps too. Yeah. Um, Using his hands, like if Andre Patterson, you know, he un- helped unlock that with Dexter Lawrence, and we know Riley's got the strength, we know he's got the size, and that was that was just the main thing that stuck out from Oregon. It's just that you're just not going to get moved, and you may not move all that much, but you're not going to get moved, and the Giants knew that they had that, they knew they had the size, and Andre Patterson has kind of, like I said, unlocked stuff with the hands, he's moving a little bit, finding the ball, sniffing out the ball, I... He plays with an intensity like he delivered quite a big hit on, you know, his tackle for loss that he had last week and his run stop he had last week delivered quite a big hit on the Lions running back. And you see, anytime he makes a play, he gets up and he's pumped and he celebrates it. And this could just be like fan speak and fan talk. But I think like if you're that pumped up about making a run stop and making a play like I you're fierce, you want it, you're, you're hungry and you're looking to pit someone and that's football. And I yeah, and that, that was like the one pick, Justin, where we're like, I don't really see much of a path in the NFL for you. And it's like, well, now I do. Every <laughs> single day three pick. Every si- I I can't I can't think of the last time this ever happened. I talked this about how f- much I love day three, and Jordan <laughs> Riley was like the exception to that. Yeah, we, we originally were like fan, fans were – are most excited about Eric Gray just because he was the earliest pick of day three. He's a running back. Running back is somewhat of an easier position to transition to from the college game to the pro to the pro game. But now Eric Gray, out of all the guys that were day three, Trey Hawkins is starting. Jordan Riley is 
competing for playing time. Javarius Owens is competing for the roster and possibly pushing out like a guy like Bobby McCain from making the team. Mark it down, Javarius. Um, I do want to talk about Javarius, but at first I want to talk about Chris and his coffee and Mm. his family-run local New York-based coffee. Chris's Coffee, Chris Coffee, is a family-run local New York-based coffee roaster and the leading importer of Italian-made espresso machines and service provider. It's kind of crazy. The coffee is from bean to brew, meaning that they import their own beans in-house, roast it, pack it, and ship it right to you. Uh, I just got some in the mail uh, a couple weeks ago, and I have actually a family down from New York. We're doing like a big 60th birthday for my dad. And I brought it over, said I got gifts. We had the giant Java and they really enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to order you. I'm going to order you, uh, my aunt and uncle some Chris's coffee. Wow. Uh, and they really like it. Roasting capacity at their brand new 64,000 square foot facility is now upwards of 2,300 pounds of coffee per hour. Chris Coffee also sells coffee grinders, blenders, brewers, filters, teas, syrups, replacement parts, and everything you need to get your home espresso set up off the ground. And beginning today, use the code JOMBOY at checkout to receive a free, free, free one pound bag of our brand new giant java coffee with any order over $50 plus free shipping discount can't can be combined with any other offers and it actually has like the football field on it so it's like new york giant java if you're in the market for an espresso machine grinder or just a great tasting coffee talk to the espresso coffee experts at www.chriscoffee.com they've assembled a passionate world-class sales team eager to help guide you on your espresso journey Click the link in the description. All right, Justin. Whoa. Be- what? You'll be glad you did. Be glad you did. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Before we talk about Javarius Owens market down, let's talk a little about let's talk a little negative. Let's get a little let's get a little negative on this. Cordell Flott and Darnay Holmes are both continuing to struggle. And Cordell Flott, when they took Adore out and left the rookie corners in, Flott went in at nickel corner with the, with them, so he had the first spot at it. And But then when they took those corners out, Cordell Flott played on the outside. Darnay Holmes was in the nickel. Both both gave up plays to Shy. Like, Shy Smith is a fast dude out of South Carolina. He shouldn't be making contested catches versus Darnay Holmes and Cordell Flott, yet he was. And it wasn't because he didn't get separation initially, it was because balls that were thrown late. Um, you know, Flott gave up a pat- another catch on third down. Darnay gave up a catch on third down. Flott got, uh, had a really bad run play. Um, yeah. Not, not, not good. Not good. Not, not good happy. out of either of those two guys. Not good, not happy. <clears throat> Ooh, whoa. Not good, not happy, some people say. Uh, I had a – this week I had a little, like, anger, like, we shouldn't be starting two rookie corners on the outside and a Dory in the slot. And I've quickly changed and be like, yeah, I think that's just the best that we got right now. Corner depth is a huge, huge question mark. Huge. Right? You don't feel good about anybody. Like, if if, Deont- if Trey Hawkins misses one game, Adoree Jackson goes back on the outside, and then we have Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes in the slot, 
Well, the saving grace is they were bad. La- the nickel corners were bad last year, and it's like if Deontay Banks can be good, I feel like they're worse. I feel like this. I feel like like somehow Darnell Holmes is worse. No, it's just it's just like we're kind of tired of it at this point. Um, yeah. So that's not fun. I need to watch film of the rookie cornerbacks yeah. to get a real good grasp. But they weren't. They didn't give up any play. <laughs> Banks should have gave up a play on that Mingo play. Where Mingo, but Bryce Young missed the just missed the throw. Yeah, but also that was like even like Bryce Young creating and like he had to cover that for a long time. All right, Javarius Owens, QB hit, pressure, pass breakup. The only thing I'm a little bothered by is that I wish he was a just a tick faster, or he would have had two tackles for a loss on the backside of runs. It would have been sick. But there was two times where he just was like had it like just just barely had the back out of, out of his grasp. Where would he had two he would have had two tackles for a loss, a QB hit, a pressure dipping the edge versus a tackle, and then a third down pass breakup. It's just you know what he who he reminds me of. Say it. A poor man Jabril a poor man's Jabril Peppers. I knew that's where you were going. Where it's like lines up all over the field, plays at a hundred miles per hour, making tackles, making big hits, actually like getting some stuff rushing the passer, but he just doesn't like he like a tad late on no, it's not even late. It's just he didn't have the speed to make those tackles from the backside of the runs. Yeah. Love him. I mean the the hype is unreal. If even if he just makes that tackle for loss, since I'm dude, that he was right. I was screaming in the stadium. I was screaming. I was like, shit, he was right there. And then, you know, it's a big run after that. So uh, I'm really excited about Javari Sones. He came in before Bobby McCain. Like he, you know, he's been running with the third team primarily through camp. And, you know, I guess since the the week that we've been gone, haven't haven't been able to keep track of where he's been lining up in practice, but he did like it was Dane Belton, Jason Pinnock, and Javarius Owens were the three safeties that were in there after McKinney and then before, um, like, Bobby McCain checked in, which is awesome. Like, I'm for that. Yes, Javarius Owens is having a better camp than Bobby McCain. Yes. Yeah. Jason Pinnock, when you're going to tackle um, Jonathan Mingo, try to tackle him. Not just put your shoulder down into him. That's not going to work versus Jonathan Mingo. Do you have anything else? I'm surprised they didn't call pass interference on. There was a sidelined throw where Pinnock didn't really turn his head. I don't think there was contact, but he didn't really turn his head on the football. Um, that's always like a very, it's a very, some of the, it's one of those NFL rules that doesn't always quite make sense. It's like, even if you're not interfering and you're touching a receiver, you'll still get called for pass interference. If you don't, you're turn allowed your the head. face guard. Now you used oh, to not be the are. face guard. You're allowed the face guard. Now love that. Then I then, then continue to be good. Jason Pinnock. Why did I ever question you? Um, what else? What else? I, think, I mean, that's basically it. What else? Um, oh, um, I have I have a note, and this is coming from Doug Analytics. Shit, where did my Twitter go? Give me one second. Is it the Darren Waller on pace tweet? Yeah, yeah, it's. Fun. I actually thought about doing that myself, and then I saw it's. Doug fun. It's why I'm doing it at the end of the show. Um, Doug Analytics, our friend. Um, Darren Waller had three catches for 30 yards through the first two minutes and 52 seconds of the game. If Waller kept that pace through the entire game, he would have had 62 catches for 627 yards. Over a 17-game pace, Waller is projected to have 1,054 catches for 10,659 yards. I did that tweet from Talking Giants from like Darren Waller is just going to have 3,000 yards this season. 
Well, you were wrong. It's actually, um, it's actually uh, ten thousand. Yeah, I was a little mad that Doug Analytics tweeted that because I was actually going to tweet that in the morning. Um, so screw you, Doug Analytics. So draft Darren Waller fantasy. Also, we get all twenty-two a few hours after other people, and they stole my whole flow, bar for bar. All right, that's an episode. We will see you guys. Um, no episode will be out Monday because this is coming out on Saturday. Or no, actually, a player profile is coming out We have out a Monday. PPP scheduled for Monday. Yeah, and then we have Clem on the show Tuesday. So I'm an idiot. I'm a total idiot. So we're back to normal scheduling next week. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue. Big Blue.